Denver Sports tonight on this Wednesday night in the Mile High City. He's my guy, Marcello Romano. I'm Will Peterson. We will roll with you for the next hour here on Denver Sports Station 104.3. The fan fun banter with Dan and Mac at the end of the drive. Hit us up on the RamosLaw.com text line 303-713-1043 if you want to get in. Cello, my guy, how are you? It's good to see you, bro. Dude, I'm, I'm honored that uh, you and James thought of me on what is widely known as what is today in sports. It is the deadest day in sports. <laughs> the slowest day in professional sports. Other than that, there's a few matches going on overseas at Wimbledon, but no baseball, no basketball, training camps a few co- uh, couple weeks away. We got this is uh, I, I was just enthralled by your Taylor Swift. I didn't know you were such a fan. Yeah, I'm a big Swifty, bro, and I, I I was driving down about five, and Dan and D-Mac just kept going and going and yeah. getting me all fired up. <laughs> but I did think D-Mac has a point. Like, this is a huge event this weekend. It is. Whether you're a fan or not, all you have to do is look at the ticket prices to acknowledge this This is a big freaking deal for the city of Denver this weekend when it's 1400 to go to her show and it's 38 bucks to see the New York Yankees play baseball right down the street. That's where I will be. Okay. Yankees, Rockies. I'm a Yankees fan, but that's where I'll be. I don't know that. I didn't know that. So who are you Who are you rolling with to Swift? Uh, who am I rolling yeah. with? Yeah. It's like a combination of my sister's going, a couple of her friends, a couple of my friends. It's sort of this hodgepodge group because, let's be honest, man, like it's a little awkward when people know you have these tickets because there's <laughs> only so many people you can say Well, and what no went to. down to get them? I mean, uh, all the backlash when they were available for people to get. Bro, they had a congressional hearing about this. Yes. It's no big. Well, and I know you well enough that this isn't fake. You're like, you're really into this. Like, you're as excited about this as maybe as, damn, when we were rolling back to Super Bowl 50. I mean, you're that excited about seeing Taylor Swift. Where are your seats? Yeah, I'm a Swifty, bro. Uh, we're in the first level, like the the 40-yard line one night, the 50-yard line the next night, sort of. Halfway up. So it would actually be a really good spot to watch a football game. Oh, nice. Um, so not the floor, which I'm actually cool with because I, f- I feel like the floor is, not that this is going to be a mosh pit at a Taylor Swift concert, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. Like it's a little more yes. chaotic. This yeah. is a little more, you've got your own seat. You're not far from the bathroom, the concessions. If you, you know, when she goes back to her, like her 2006 era, that's when I'm like, all right, refill me. You yeah, know? So exactly. That, that'll sort of be that. But no, man, it's going to be. An event? How, how are you getting downtown for Rockies Yankees? Because Ubers, light rails, no, buses, no, and, and all that actually, stuff's going to be chaos. The funny thing is, is we kind of experienced this a couple weeks ago. Uh, my wife and I, and my brother and sister in law, we went to George Strait, but the Angels were in town as well mm. with Shohei and Trout before he got hurt. So we experienced that. It's, it's going to be different level for Swift. I, I swear, it's going to be out of control. But uh, we're planning on driving. I have a parking pass for Friday. Saturday may be a little bit different. All right. So with the Yankees here, that's obviously superstars all across the board. That does remind me you brought up Super Bowl 50, which had a superstar defense all across the board with the Broncos. You and I, uh, for folks just tuning in, Cello is joining me tonight. We had, honestly, I tell people, two of the best weeks of my life were covering 48 in New York. And I know other people had different experiences because it was so cold. And obviously yeah. the game was a disaster. Mm-hmm. But you and I had so much fun in San Francisco covering Super Bowl 50. Does that week still rank up there for you as, like, one of the highlights of, of uh, maybe not your life, that's too strong a word, but your career, your professional yeah, yeah. life? For, for, for doing this and being able to cover a team that you grew up rooting for 
And then, like, just the experience, you get out there, and you, I mean, you're literally sitting from me to you to all these guys that you watch and you cheer for. And, and obviously, a little bit different from us because w- when you break down a game, you got to be a little more critical. But as a fan, that was a highlight for sure. And for people to say, like, what was the experience like? I'll just take it to, to Marcus Ware. That is the most genuine dude in the world. You kind of have a bigger superstar, but to be able to sit down and chat with him and that experience going into it, we had a lot of fun hanging out outside of it. But that week, we kind of had a feeling that something was different about that team versus what happened two years prior, which was just a gut punch. It's so interesting you bring that up because my assignment for that week when you and I were working together was I got put on the Panthers beat, which I was actually fascinated by. I thought that was cool. Uh, I love the Broncos, but I had covered the Broncos all year. I knew the Broncos. It was like, all right, I'm going to go sniff out these Panthers. I will tell you, the Panthers were as cocky as the Broncos were going into 48. Yeah. And I got the same vibe that you're mentioning there. I said, oh, my goodness, this is what 48 was, except the roles were reversed. The Broncos at 48 in New York were convinced they were going to roll to it. They were out partying all week. They just thought they were going to win the Super Bowl. They were had the best offense in NFL history, and they got boat raced. And yep. the Panthers, I remember Cam, was just so darn cocky. Yeah. And I, I, we talked about it at like dinner on like Wednesday or Thursday. We said the Seahawks defense smacked the Broncos around. Broncos are about to smack the Panthers around, yeah. and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, it was crazy because I think I went with you one of the days that the Panthers had press availability, and Cam came out through that door, and he was just like the arrogance behind it. Like we knew something was was off. I mean, he was just annoyed by the whole situation. Where I guess you could say the Broncos were like that, but they were such on a mission. The, the difference was just night and day. We knew going in, it was like, I don't know that I felt more comfortable about a game ever than that one going into 50. Do you remember? This is funny. Do you remember who showed up that day? The day you're talking about, you and I were there and Cam walked through the door. Who came in and asked him a question? No. Snoop Doggy Dog. Oh, I remember him being at Peyton and Coobs, but I don't, I don't remember him asking. Yeah, Snoop was there, and he asked Cam Newton to dab for him. Oh. And he sung. Uh, maybe KJ can find it. It was like, I'm not going to try to sing Snoop Dogg, but it was like, <laughs> Cam, will you dab for me? And yeah. Cam, oh, yeah. Cam looked at him like, sure, and gave him like this baby little dab. And it yeah. was like, you're Cam Newton. You had a good year, but that's freaking Snoop Dogg. Yeah, yeah. He asks you to dab. You should dab. <laughs> yeah. And But you're right. Like That speaks to the larger point of like, Cam Newton couldn't even be bothered to playfully interact with Snoop Dogg, no. whereas Peyton Manning was talking about, I'm going to get you 18 Papa John's pizzas. Snoop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it it kind of showed you the, the difference, difference there. Yeah. And now it just seems like that was such a long time ago, dealing with what, what we as Bronco countries have gone through for the past seven years now. And now you got a new coach in, 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 the, in the house, and is Russ going to be turned around? I have my feelings, and I feel I, I probably lean towards towards James on this one. I don't. I, how are, are you thinking? Playoff team? You think they're they're back? Russ is back. That'll, that'll make you a lot of friends. Leaning towards James. <laughs> I do it in a different tone. I think. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, I, I I don't mean to hedge here, but I'm excited, Cello, to find out if the problem was Hackett or Russ, because that debate got so contentious last year. Is yeah. it Hackett? Is it Russ? Mm-hmm. we're finally going to get the answer. And we're going to know the answer by, like, October. We're either going to be talking about on these airwaves, Nathaniel Hackett was quite literally one of the worst coaches in NFL history, or Russell Wilson's just cooked. We're going to get that answer finally, 
And I I lean towards Hackett was one of the worst coaches in NFL history. I've called him the worst coach that has ever roamed the sidelines for the Broncos. And, of course, I get all the McDaniels, McDaniels, McDaniels. And I'm, yeah. like, I'm not so sure, dude. No, it was Hackett. Yeah, Hackett lasted 15 games. McDaniels yeah. started 6-0. Yeah. To, to tell me when Hackett sniffed 6-0. So I, I, I am just excited for that. I lean towards that. But I'll ask you, does this mean that, that Russ is magically going to become a pro bowler again overnight? I think I think people will be surprised how much better he does play. I think uh, a lot of what we saw was, and I think you could say it was a combination of Russ and Hackett. I think the incompetence level of Hackett from the word go just in week one with the decision to try and kick where it was, not knowing play clock, that kind of stuff. I think Russ came in thinking, I can show a different level of myself, and that kind of blew up in his face. But the incompetence level with Hackett for me was just that just took it to a whole nother level. So with Sean Payton rolling in, you don't have to do that much different. I think you just needed that type of leadership, and you're going to get it with Sean Payton. So I think, I think you see a big turnaround with not only Russ, but this team all together. And do you feel like the the weight loss and sort of the social media not being over because he he did one last weekend, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But the social media being toned down, um, and I think more important than the social media is the the twenty to twenty five pounds that we can all see yeah. in his face and his body. Do you think that that sort of can, I guess, reverse father time for Russ a little bit that? He accelerated it last year by being so big and so out of shape and so celebrity glitz and glamour, and that he's going to look more like a 34-year-old this year than he looked like a 39-year-old last year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, those are little things that, obviously, nobody likes to hear people talk about you like that, but those all those... And he was a laughing stock nationwide, Will. I mean, they were like the butt of every joke of every organization. They're laughing at Russ and let's ride. Now... I mean, he had that focus. He had the time to kind of lose the weight. But I think the overall negativity that was pointed in his direction last year, I don't know that you can have a bigger fire underneath you than that. I mean, obviously, the weight came off like quick. But for him to – I bet he's chomping at the bit to get out there and show people that he can still play and play at a high level. Now we have to wait and see if that actually happens. My guess is I'm leaning towards yes. You'll see a much better, much improved Russ. But like you said, who knows? I mean, sometimes when people hit a wall – and we even saw it with Peyton. Now, he had a lot of other health concerns as well, but sometimes when that wall hits, Father Time's undefeated for a reason, you hit that wall and you're out, you're out of it, man. The 1313 chimes in on the Ramoslaw.com text line and says, guys, you got the answer on Russ last year and the year before. And they're basically commenting to me saying that we know Russ is cooked because we saw it um, toward the end of his time in Seattle in 21. We clearly saw last year with the Broncos in 22. I guess my retort would be, well... He was hurt in 21. He had, the, yeah. he had the finger thing going on up there. And even when he came back, he had some moments after that. And also, let's not forget that the, the breakup was imminent. And I think when breakups are imminent, people act a little differently. Check out. Yeah, people play a little differently. Seattle clearly wasn't the Super Bowl contender that they were when the Legion of Boom was around and Marshawn Lynch was around. So I don't take too much stock into 21 because if we want to play that game, Dude looked like an MVP candidate through the first half of 20. So we yeah. can sort of do that both ways. So my answer to you, Texture, would be we, we haven't totally gotten the answer. If he's bad this year, yeah, I'll agree with you. We've gotten the answer. If Russ is bad this year, Cello, not only is it maybe the worst trade in NFL history, <laughs> but it's the worst contract in NFL history. I yeah. can promise you that because paying him before you saw him play a down in orange and blue 
that could go down. George Payton and George Payton has has made some some questionable moves, but George would even take himself to a new level of where you don't want to be ranked as an NFL GM, and that's worst trade, worst contract in the history of the league. Yeah, and I, I kind of have a problem with just that narrative how it's changed over the past year. Because there wasn't many people that when they did sign him, I think Mike Evans might have been the only one that said, hey, why don't you wait and take a look before you offer this guy this type of money where everybody else in town was like, dude, you finally got your quarterback. You've been looking for it for six years now. You finally got him. Pay him because he's going to be your now. He's going to be your future. Then you go out and you see you know, the level of play that nobody agreed with, and then everyone was going after George Payton. Nobody really attacked him for the, the deal when he made it. And you're being fair, and I appreciate your fairness, but I guess I would say to that, well, that's George's job. Yeah. And George's job is to spend a quarter billion dollars of the Walton Penner family ownership group's money. And guess what, Cello? If you or I were a billionaire and someone spent $250 million of our wrong way, the wrong way, we'd have to move on. So it's, right, it's, right. Not, per, it's not personal with no, George. No, it's not just, at all. We, we have to evaluate what he did, and he, he made a mistake as of now. That, yeah. that could change. Yeah. That could change. I'm not banking on it changing, but it could change. <laughs> uh, George George made a, a tough mistake, and I think I, I think there were people that that figured when Hackett got swept out, George Payton would would be getting swept out with him. I actually think the debacle on Christmas Day did George Payton a favor in a weird way because they weren't going to fire him the next day, even though they had to fire Hackett. They couldn't finish the last two games, yeah. and I don't think the ownership wanted to make another firing two weeks later. I think it was sort of, let's keep him involved. And then when he and Sean hit it off, you know, we had guys like Cecil say, hey, George may only make it through the draft. And I love Cecil. Cecil nails, you know, 90% of this stuff. Yeah. But that was sort of the 10% where actually it does feel like Sean and George have hit it off a little bit. But that doesn't mean if they go 5-12, and 6-11, and 11, that Sean's going anywhere. But, oh, no, but no. Jo- but George will go oh, somewhere. Yeah. Russ will go somewhere. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. he's sort of the next fall guy in line at this point. Well, dude, if you look at it, look at the history of this organization. And this is, the, the, you're, if you're a Batman in this town, and I'll use this analogy. You know the one, you either die a hero or you live long enough to become the villain. Look at the history of this town. Mike Shanahan brings you two championships. And by the end of his tenure here, people were like, he is just, he's, he's got to go. There was people calling for his head. And there's other people saying, you know, Mike Shanahan, the GM, let down Mike Shanahan, the, the, the head coach, and, and for whatever reason. That's one of those guys, and now he's a Hall of Fame finalist. I think he should have been in a while ago. But that, he died kind of a villain here. Now he's getting back, and people love him again. You know, he's revered. Look at John Elway, man. The Duke, right? Wins it as a player, comes back. Takes you to two, to a couple, wins another one with Peyton and crew, and then look at people talk about him now, as if it's like, dude, like they would. Uh, nobody talks about him the same way, and he's not revered right now. In time, it'll probably get back to like look at the way he did it. I think he was a victim of his own success. You know, Elway speaking of that. So they turn it around. They become the best offense of all time, right? They lose that Super Bowl, and when it's two years, they become one of the best defenses of all time, and they win it. And I remember talking to James after that Super Bowl, a couple years or a couple months afterwards, saying, "Are they going to be a victim of their own success?" Because up on the up on the podium, you remember what they said? Him and Coobs, we can win it all kinds of ways. The the quarterback right. didn't matter, right? right? Yep. Well, come to find out, seven years later, the quarterback still isn't here, and it still matters, big time. We can win it in all kinds of ways when we have. 
one of the top three defenses in yes. NFL history. Yes. Sure, you got Von Miller, Demarcus Ware, Derek Wolf, Malik Jackson, Danny Trevathan, Brandon Marshall, Keep Tlaib, Chris Harris, Darian Stewart, TJ Ward, Sylvester. Like, yeah, you can win it with yep. those thirteen dudes. Exactly, but the problem was is that they built the most prolific offense ever, and literally in what twenty four months they had one of the top you can argue top five defenses of all time. And they did it that quick, and he was the architect of it. Nobody's going to remember that. No. All they remember is the drafts from then, not being able to secure Brock if you wanted him, not finding a quarterback, going through the all the different trial, trials and saying, hey, this guy can work, the Joe Flacco's, the Case Keesums. Case I mean, my goodness, the, the list goes on and on. So We do know, we both know it's Keenum for the record. We're making fun of John yes. when he introduced him as Case Keesum. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Uh, the, the, I mean, the Teddies, the Drews. Yes. You know, it's it's just sort of on and on and on of things not working. It, 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 with Elway, though, like Joe Sackick, I, I, I worry about him just a little bit if the Avs window gets slammed shut. I don't think anyone thinks it's shut. Of course not. It's not shut when you have McKinnon, McCarr, and Randon. But if they only get one in this, and for the record, I think they're going to get two or three, but if they only get one, well, people say, yeah, Joe should have hung it up after they won in the Stanley Cup in 22, much like, I mean, the – the Pat Bowen trust was two, three years into the thing by the time 2015 rolled around. And I think a lot of people with the benefit being hindsight, and I know Pat didn't pass for a couple of years and there was litigation and all of that, yeah. wish a decision had been made sooner either to give it to Brittany Bowen or to sell the team rather than it sort of dragged out and Joe Ellis and John Elway sort of just, and I love Joe and I really like John, but it just sort of, it got stale around yeah. there. Yeah. And, and I worry with a guy like Sackick too is, you said it. You either you know die the hero, live long enough to see yourself become the villain. John had the timing as the player. He didn't have the timing as the exact. No, no. And I think he kept thinking, and people, oh, I'm a quarterback away, or I'm a, a decent, a good defense away, and we can compete. And that was probably to his you know detriment that you keep thinking that type of stuff. But honestly, I mean, I think Joe Sackett has a lot more. To, I mean, he hasn't had bad decision over bad decision, which you can go back and look at the drafts over the past seven years, and you're going to see misses all over the place. Um, I don't hold as much into that because it's it's really hit and miss. You know, sometimes you, you do get lucky. You find the right players at the right spot. And other times, look at look at Bill Belichick in New England right now. The genius of all geniuses, right? Yep, yep. Well, we saw what that does when you don't have a guy who can play the quarterback position at the level of Tom Brady. He's still a very – he's a phenomenal coach. But it takes it to a different level, right? Which same thing happened here. Shanahan, once Elway retired, it's hard to get back to that level and expectation, championship expectation, without somebody who can play at that level. The 5262 chimes in and says, but guys, Sackick made the right move to elevate to president, whereas Elway waited years and years to go to president. That's a good point. Yeah. People forget that Sackick sort of said, I'm the president now. McFarland is yeah. the day to day guy, and and people, you know, it's, some people you talk to, they blame McFarland yeah, already for Kadri walking out the yeah. door and re-signing Nichushkin. Whereas Elway, I mean, the the what the Peyton, the George Peyton thing didn't happen until what 2021. Yeah, I mean, Elway was the GM for six years after the Super Bowl. Yep. You know how long Sackick was the GM after the Cup? Six weeks. Yeah. He got out right away. So that actually, now that it, now that the text reports that out, good text is like. Maybe Sackick did have the timing sort of lined up of like, hey, I'm still going to be involved, but the day-to-day grind I'm done with because yeah, I got, got my title. he's got that buffer in between him now yeah. with McFarland. And you're right, there's already been people criticizing him since the cup, since they win the cup and then some of the decisions made after that 
People aren't afraid to go after him right away. If it was Sackick's decisions, people were a little, you, you, know, you hit him with kid gloves, right? And you take it a little bit easy. I mean, he's the great one. Yeah, Chris McFarland's a good dude, but I don't have many memories of Chris McFarland beating Martin Brodeur in Game 7 of the 01 Stanley <laughs> yeah, Cup exactly. Finals like I do with Joe Sackick. All right, Cello, some of these uh, top 10 lists have been rolling out on ESPN.com, and I want to make it clear, especially with the state ESPN is and is in um, in some circles and, frankly, how much they disrespected the Nuggets throughout the season, that these are not ESPN rankings. So I'm not just regurgitating ESPN rankings. ESPN conducted polls of players, executive coaches, and scouts and came out with their top ten list by position. So it doesn't matter the outlet. They're talking to the top people in the league. So let's take this pretty seriously. Uh, the last two days have obviously caught our attention. The Broncos didn't have anyone at edge rusher or any of the linebacker positions, no surprise. But yesterday, the cornerback list comes out, and Pat Sertan II is the number one corner in the NFL. Again, this is not an opinion-based thing of some writer. This is the dudes in the league ranking him number one. And then Justin Simmons lands at number three today on the safeties list behind Minka Fitzpatrick of the Steelers and Derwin James Jr. of the Los Angeles Chargers at number two. Your thoughts, quick reactions on either of those, what stands out, and then I have a thought on Simmons being one last year and, and falling to three this year. I think if you – I mean, the Simmons ones for me, I don't really have – I'd put Derwin James, when healthy, probably at the top of the list. Um, but as long as you're still in the discussion of being one of those top two or three, I think you could probably put him in front of Fitzpatrick, in my opinion – um, Derwin James when healthy, I think, is just a completely different animal. And I think for Pastor Tan to be labeled that this young into his career, I think it's well-deserved. I don't know that there's – I mean, name me a couple people that you would put in the same level with him. Well, Sauce Gardner is number two right now. Um, you know, but but it, it shows you where the cornerback position is trending. So yep. Tan's been in the league – this is his third year. Yep. Sauce is going into his second year. There's no Champ Bailey on that list anymore. <laughs> no. There's no dude who's been doing it for 12 years who's always going to be number one. I think it goes to show you that the cornerback position is, is kind of trending towards the running back position in some senses. That's a great point. You need these dudes from age 21 to about age 28, and then you're on to the next one. Um, and obviously with Sertan being one, I think it's even more of a compliment to him that he's only been on two really crappy Broncos teams. Exactly. And yet these people are still recognizing that dude's the best corner in the league. Um, there was a stat yesterday. I'll have to pull it up, but he's one of one or one of a couple guys to picked off Mahomes already X amount of times. Like mm-hmm. he's doing it against the best in the league, and he's doing it at a really high level. Yeah, man, and it's a, a one of those pieces that you love to have here. I mean, uh, I think I was was listening to D Mac and Dan make that argument yesterday. Was it the right decision for for um, George Payton to select that? player, Pat Sertan, over any one of these quarterbacks. And I think you can, it's six and one, half dozen the other for me. I mean, because those quarterbacks, half of them, they're not going to be players in this league. And this guy looks like he's going to be a 10-year, you know, first-team all kind of guy. So, But but it's, it's Fields specifically, because that's who the debate was. And all of a sudden, Fields looks like he's elevating towards potential stardom. We saw flashes of that last year. We yeah. did. And that was the choice at nine, Fields or Sertan. Yeah. And it's not, I want to make it clear, it's not Pat Sertan's fault they took him over Fields. No, It's no. just the position they play that, yeah, Chell, if I had to sit here today and say, do I wish George Payton drafted Pat Sertan or Justin Fields? I actually, I don't know if it's Where six were you? one after the, <laughs> I, I would have taken Justin Fields. Would you? 
I mean, he, he might be a star. Do you know how hard it is to find a star quarterback? Yeah, I mean, for him, it's kind of, one, health is going to be a main concern for me going forward. And I think if if I'm being honest with myself at that point in the draft, I because we'd had how many years of just not having the guy that you could get behind at the quarterback position, I probably would have gone with Fields as well. But since in the three years we've seen that, yes, we've seen flashes from Fields, but we've also, we also have seen some pretty – bad quarterback play from him and I think with his size and stature and the way he plays the game health is going to be a main concern for him going forward I I, I mean it could be it could be but it's just these quarterbacks don't grow on trees right um and that's that's one position that they still don't have the answer to unless Russ figures it out I do want to say real quick on Simmons the only thing and I agree with you Dur- Derwin James is a great player it's just hard for me for Justin Simmons to lead the league in interceptions and fall two spots that's what the I didn't really get is like he literally tied for the NFL league with six picks last year and he only played in twelve games. So if he had yeah. played in seventeen games, he could have had eight nine picks, and yet we're saying leading the league in interceptions drops you from one to three. It's a little technical because top three is still huge, but I guess they dinged him for missing those five games. Well, that and maybe just eye test physicality. Derwin James is all over the football field and he's not a he's not afraid to lay the wood. Justin Sims is a great cover safety, right? But you remember, do you have any, like, Atwater-esque type of plays that you remember where he came up and put a running back in his spot? Or... Not not at the moment. Not at the moment. You're, you're fair on that. So that's, but, I, but Justin I, Simmons has also played on just bad, bad teams for years and years and years. Not that he can't make an Atwater play, but it's not going to get the same attention if he's doing it against the, the Panthers at 11 a.m. on a CBS game with right. the number five team on the yeah. call. It's just yeah. not going to happen. All right, coming up on the other side, we have some news from the ESPYs. Wow, guys, Jamal Murray, he just took home some big, big hardware. Javante Williams says he'll be ready for training camp. Should Sean Payton give his workhorse running back the green light to play in the preseason? I would say yes. I want to get him a couple hits, a couple carries. Not a lot, but at the same time, we got to get ready to play football. Get him some action. Get him hit a couple times. Play the guy a little bit. DenverSports.com, awarded Denver's best website by the Colorado Broadcasters Association and home of Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Ah, some great reaction on the Ramoslaw.com text line, 303-713-1043. Getting a lot of, he's Marcello Romano, by the way, I'm Will Peterson. Marcello, we're getting a lot of, uh, Fellas, why are you debating Fields or Shertan? It should have been Micah Parsons. Another yeah. uh, another valid what the Broncos should have done at 9 in 2021. Yeah, but I think at that point, that w- that wasn't one of the ones that they were going to get. It was either Sertan, right, which Peyton always said is the, he was the safest pick yes. of that class. So if he didn't love a quarterback, you go with the other smart decision. You go with what's safe, and that's the – it was always – it was going to be between, what, quarterback or him, right? That was it. And Fangio was still the coach. And yeah. we, we do know Vic had a little – Vic was trying to save his job, so Vic wanted a defender, not necessarily right. a QB because that was his specialty. All right, keep them coming. We appreciate it. But in the meantime, I said it before the break. Cello, the ESPYs are on tape delay because, of course, they are. Mm-hmm. But you can find out anything on the world of Twitter Sundays, I guess, if there's not a rate limit. Not rate limited today. Find out 11 minutes ago from ESPN – Quote, the comeback that led to a championship. Jamal Murray wins the SB for best comeback player. Congratulations to Jamal. He's going against not just Hoopers, but he's going against all sports. 
Uh, Justin Verlander of the Mets coming off Tommy John. Alyssa Thomas of the Connecticut Sun coming off an Achilles. And John Jones of the UFC, who I don't know his story, but he got some sort of comeback coming on. <laughs> but for real, I mean, to be the comeback player of the year in your own sport, that's a big deal. Yeah. To be the comeback player of the year in the entire sports world, that's what Jamal Murray just accomplished tonight at the ESPYs out in L.A. And well-deserved, I mean, for sure. But yeah, other than we knew what we could come to expect with with Jokic, right, and, what, and it, the playoff run that he had. But I think Jamal had been waiting for this, and – having to go through what he went through to get back on that stage. And you saw it a handful of times in this postseason run where he could just literally take over a game. And so when you see that and then they win a championship with it, I mean, that was the missing piece, right? No matter what we thought about last year's team, the exit that they had, when they had it, we knew Jamal had to come back, and then it was hoping that he could play and get back to that level. Well, he didn't just get back to it. He kind of surpassed it, and the whole Bubble Murray thing is now just a thing of the past as well. Yeah, I think he wore a shirt at the parade that, like, crossed out playoff Murray and and said champion Murray instead. Yeah. Like, quit, quit referring to me as bubble or playoff or whatever. Yeah. I'm a champion. So Jamal Murray has won that. The ESPYs are tonight. Uh, we started talking about the show The Deadest Day on the professional sports calendar. Other than the ESPYs, which folks can watch at 7 o'clock over on ABC, you got any favorite ESPYs moments over the years, Cello? Oh, man, I'm such a Peyton fan that I think anything that he was involved with, I mean, uh, his monologue, when he, he just the guy knows how to deliver, right? We've mm. seen it on Saturday Night Live. We see it with all the commercials. Um, damn, he, he, he hosted a, a country music award show with Luke Bryan last year. Right. That's how talented the guy is. So, yeah, that's going to be one of the ones for sure. Uh, there was that one joke, remember, the, the Kevin Durant U.S. women's Olympic gymnast team joke where he said, yeah. those, those women are so talented, Kevin Durant announced he's joining them yes. next year. Yeah. And the look on Katie's face. And then they, <laughs> do you remember who they fanned to after that? They panned to Russell Westbrook yeah. when their beef was at an all-time high. Exactly. That could not, just Peyton Manning just burying Kevin Durant. That could not have been funnier. I mean, other than that, I, I mean, who's a host that you remember? Well, I, I, I saw it going a little nuts today on the old Twitter machine. Yeah. Do you remember the late, great Norm MacDonald in yes. 98? Yep. And he was making, like, O.J. Simpson jokes. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah. sort of, it, sort of, <laughs> it sort of was the moment in time where people realized, like, oh, these are going to cross a line. Yeah. And, and Norm probably crossed the line and then some, right? He stepped way over yeah. the line. But that was Norm for you. But it was the first ever one where he's like, I don't care that y'all are rich and famous. I'm going to roast every single one of you. So that that was a good moment. And then on a more serious note, I mean, some of the, the Lifetime Achievement Awards for, for the Jimmy V Award that we've seen over the years and some of the emotional yeah. speeches. I mean, you think of, like, the Stuart Scotts of the world, um, just some of the folks that have, have walked up there knowing that they were at the end of their great lifetimes and accepting these awards for courage. Those have always been fun, too. Yeah. And so I'm, so I'm looking back on some of the lists of – and some of them were not that memorable. I mean, last year it was Steph Curry. He hosted. Couldn't tell you the moment Steph had that stuck out to me. Year before, Anthony Mackey, that's a Falcon, who is now the new Captain America. Okay. Uh, 2020, it was a, it was Russell Wilson, Megan Rapino, and Sue Bird. That was probably like an SB at home thing, though. Dude. Yeah, I bet. It was that was, that was probably those. like a Zoom Exactly. SB. Yeah. And the last one on the list is Tracy Morgan, which uh, who doesn't love Tracy Morgan? Love Tracy Morgan. Uh, we'll keep you posted. The Nuggets are up for best team. 
That would be a big one to win because, again, if they win that, they're beating the Kansas City Chiefs. This is across all sports. And Jokic is up for best male athlete against Patrick Mahomes, which is like, okay, can Jokic be the first Denver person that can actually beat Mahomes because none of the Broncos are capable of it. <laughs> and uh, and then we've got some other Colorado connections. Michaela Schifrin's up for a lot. We love Michaela. Yeah. The, the best skier of all time based out of Vail. And uh, Wyndham Clark. Shout out, Wyndham, Colorado Roots, Colorado Kid, all of a sudden up for best golfer, you know? Winning the U.S. Open will raise your profile like that. So That's crazy. There will be a lot of Denver connections we're monitoring tonight. Um, you'll be able to read about some of those at denversports.com. Do they get another win tonight? Anyone that's that's associated with the state of Colorado. I mean, it could be, I mean, you just named the people that are going to be nominated or have been nominated. Is Jamal the only winner? I think Michaela Schifrin will take home some hardware tonight. Uh, she's up for best female athlete. Uh, let me give you the other nominees on that real quick. Sophia Smith from the Portland Thorns, who I believe has Colorado connections, maybe. Soccer player, right? Sophia Smith. Oh, I yeah, think yeah. you're right. She's on the women's national team. Yeah. Um, you're going to have to help me out here, uh, KJ, with some of these. Uh, AJ Wilson, Aja Wilson from the Las Vegas Aces. Asia, right? Asia. Yeah, that's Corey Asia. And then. She's a baller, dude. I feel bad, but we'll go with Iga Swiatek, oh. who's a tennis player. Yeah, she yeah, just that's lost actually yesterday. Great. Yeah. Did I do that one on? Yeah, Eagle Swiatek. Okay. Uh so Michaela could win that. And then and then this is the this is the one I really have my eye on. Is the Nuggets best team? This'll sort of tell you where they're at. You want to know who they're going against? The Chiefs. The Chiefs. Which I think they're that's I would lean that's where Aspie's gonna go. But hang on. What about the Georgia Bulldogs from NCAA football? I mean, what they did to TCU in the national title yeah. game. Yeah. They're going against the Las Vegas Aces as well, who we know brought a championship mm-hmm. to Vegas. Uh, the LSU women's basketball team, that was a fun run from a three-seed. Yeah. I mean, some of those some of those games were against, against Caitlin Clark in Iowa. That was massively oh, yeah, entertaining. Yeah, when she was mocking her. Uh, the Oklahoma Sooners in NCAA softball, I think they won like their fourth title in a row this year. And then the, the Vegas Golden Knights in the NHL as well. To me, that one comes down to Nuggets, Chiefs, Georgia Bulldogs. I would say I don't think that the Knights are out. Uh, the Lady Tigers are out for women's college basketball. I don't remember how many college teams have won in this category before. I always feel like if you have a dominant NFL team, that you're going to win this. Either that or your all-time great kind of uh, NBA, which we've seen the Warriors win it before, but I think some of that was kind of like lifetime achievement, like, that. oh, now we've won our third in five years or whatever. Um, my guess is they'll go towards Kansas City. And you're lucky that you're not competing against the South Carolina women's basketball team in that category. Because yeah. that had they got upset in the tournament, but yeah. they had a chance to be all-time great where you're right. LSU, I think, was like a three-seed. I would say, I think I think the Sooners women's softball team, I would put them ahead of the Georgia Bulldogs' chance to win. Just because, I think you're right, I think it's three or four in a row, right? It's three in a row for sure. Yeah. They're, they're a dynasty yeah. out in Norman. Uh, best NBA player, we do know that got leaked yesterday. Jokic did win that. He beat out Butler, Embiid, and Tatum, which is kind of funny. that ESPN has to give Jokic an award after costing him an MVP. But here here's the final one. I know we're up against it. The best athlete in men's sports. You've got Nikola Jokic, yep. Aaron Judge, mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes, and Lionel Messi. That's a heck of a category. Oh, and you're going to have so much leaning towards Messi because he got the World Cup. 
You know, they finally got over that Schneid, so now he's like legitimately in that top three of all time in that sport. But it's not as big over here. So, whew. if I was if I were going to bet, I'd probably bet on Messi that he wins it because he won the World Cup. And best team, you're thinking Chiefs? Yep. All right. I, I tend to agree with you. I think Jamal may be the only one tonight. Uh, but shout-out Michaela Schifrin. She could certainly win uh, best athlete in oh, sports yeah. as well. Yeah. All right, cool. We'll keep an eye on the ESPYs. Uh, not really watching them because they're not on TV yet here, but we will see if anything happens on the show between now and 7 o'clock in terms of the Twitter machine as they are currently live out in L.A. But coming up next, Cello asked me an interesting question during the break about the Nuggets, so we're going to talk about it on air. After sitting out last season with a torn ACL, is Tim Paprick poised for a breakout year under Sean Payton? I see him developing a role like Michael Thomas had with the Saints. Running underneath stuff, being physical, using his body. I could definitely see him taking over the dirty work. DenverSports.com. Awarded Denver's best website by the Colorado Broadcasters Association. And home of Denver Sports Station. 104.3 The Fan. What a fun show. My guy Marcello Romano Cello filling in tonight. I'm Will Peterson. Cello, you're gonna get you're gonna get the call back. I promise you that. This has been okay. too much fun. Yeah. You enjoying yourself? Oh, dude, having a blast. Good, well, to, hey, good talk to crack to that mic again? Yes. Yeah? Talk to me about last night. You had a pretty successful evening last night. Oh, I did. I did. I guess the word is out, which is fine. Uh, but you got Zach talking about it. You got D-Mac talking about it. You got everyone talking about it. Took a little bit of a flyer on a, our guy Elias Diaz to win All-Star Game MVP. It's 65-1. to Wow. When he comes up, down 2-1 in the eighth. I texted Zach, and I said, right now, this is the time. And it was the scenario that we were rooting for, you know, because right. you're just betting on, hey, my guy's coming up late with a chance to hit the ball over the wall and win the game. Yep. And that's what he did. And 65-1 uh, <laughs> to one paid out paid wow. out some big ones. Let's put it that way. That's so, nice. Yeah. And you're crediting Zach for that, or you just? Here's the awkward thing, and, I, and I, I've tried to explain this. I don't know how well I've explained it. I was going to do it yesterday morning. Okay. Because I just, I just looked and I was like, how do I make the All-Star game interesting? You know what? Have Look. you seen the new movie, Air? Yeah. So you you said Air Jordan first then, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. There you go. I like that. Uh, we had a pre-screening for that. Did you go to that? Yes, yeah, yes. that was fun. That was fun. Yeah. Work hooked it up with that, and then I know it's on Amazon Prime now if people want to check it out. Great movie. Very good movie. And uh, I was like, I think I'm going to do this. And then I was driving, and I heard him and Stokely saying, Oh, it's the only Rocky. We got to do it. And so I said, okay, yeah. that was my confirmation. And it has turned into Zach tipped me off. And it was this, not <laughs> Zach invented the, you know, the wheel. Yeah. And, and he now, said Air Jordan first. Right. So now he wants a steak launch apparently. And I offered pizza. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I mean, you, I, I think you can stick with your, your story. You said Air Jordan first, but it was the plan. And pizza's a good lunch. Yeah. I roll in with a couple larges. Because you know that show. I mean, you work in the building on a, on a different side of things. But yeah. you hear that show all the time. You know that show revolves around lunch. Yeah. Like that show, like lunch is, because they're 11 to 2, I get it. But Stoke and Zach, like their day is is built around what is coming in at noon. 
believe me, I know. I was with them at a remote that kind of went haywire. Oh. And food had already been ordered. Okay. But those two had to book it back here, right? Because they needed to get back on the air. I think James was here filling in for them while they made the drive back to studio for whatever reason. Gotcha. And Stoke was like, hey, man, I got my food coming here. Like, can you wait? Can you wait <laughs> for me and then bring it down? I'm like, yeah, no problem, dude. So I had to... I. They got a head start on me. I think they probably beat me here by 20 minutes, but the pizza arrived, and then I drove it down and brought it to them here so that they uh, they could finish the show that day. So you were like the Uber Eats or the DoorDash. Yes, yes. Making sure they had enough stamina to make it to 209. Exactly. Oh, man, that's good. 209 on a good day for Stoke. Zach's here until 209 most days. Uh, I asked you before the break that you asked me a question about the Nuggets offseason. Yeah. I heard that you heard that I heard. Uh, but it, let's let's break this down here. The last few minutes of the show, are you happy with what the Nuggets have done? And let's the caveat: last week, ESPN or maybe it was earlier this week called him one of the biggest losers of the offseason. Was that too yeah. strong, or where are you at on things? No, I think uh, for me, the way that I'm looking at it is like obviously you would like for nostalgic reasons for everything to be able to run back the way it was, right? But in the reality in professional sports, is that doesn't happen. There's there's players and moves that have to be made. We saw it last year with with Kadri and the Avalanche. Could we have gone a different route? Yeah, probably. But this one with you know Michael Malone on the uh, the parade day saying Brucey B he's coming back. Cowboy Bruce going to be back. We knew that wasn't going to happen. I mean it, it was going to take some kind of miracle for that to happen. And you have to make those decisions. So I'm not. I am sad to see him go. I'm sad to see Uncle Jeff go. Uh, but you got to trust these guys that they put the team together that won it this year, and that they have they have that job for a reason. They got to make some of these difficult decisions. A lot of it's kind of hurry up and wait and see, though. Well, I mean, it's it's based on potential. Otherwise, I mean, the only other move that was made was Reggie, and that's that's one that both you and I, when we were talking about it during the break, we don't love that move. No, I don't think Reggie's re- ready to replace Bruce Brown, and it's not. I, ready's almost the wrong word because I'm talking about him like he's 22. He's he's 32. He's 33. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Reggie's had a good run. I think Reggie's sort of at the end of the the NBA career here. Although Dan Jacobs was asking me on his weekend show, he said, "Why? Well, I, I thought Reggie might retire." And I said, "Well, Dan, would you retire if someone offered you 10 million bucks?" Yeah. Nope. <laughs> and I do think that Reggie Jackson contract cello will be trade bait at some point okay. because I think it's such an overpay. That it's just so you can go to a team that's out of it in February, the Charlotte Hornets, I don't know, just name a bad NBA team, and you can go get a piece that you can bring in and the salaries can match up with Reggie Jackson. Plus, you got to look at it like there's going to be steps that are made, right? Um, Michael Jr. Porter, he's going to take another step. And for all of, like, his struggles in the finals, I swear, well, that game five, he kept the team alive while the other guys figured it out and kind of calmed their nerves down. Now, was he shooting lights out? Of course not. But he was making plays in that game five. So you would assume that his growth is going to extend as well, right, next year and years come, years to come. Well, MBJ, Chell, you said it. Like, that was a maturity thing for me because he transformed his game. He realized he couldn't shoot, so he went and hit yeah. the glass. He went and played defense, and the Michael Porter Jr. two years ago would have pouted. That dude oh, did yeah. not pout at all. Yeah, and we saw kind of, I was like, I was wondering. It was teetering that way a little bit during that finals, but I think it was probably he was so upset with himself for the performance, shooting performance. But you're right, he made the changes and said, I can affect the game in different ways, and he did it. And you give Malone credit for sticking by him because he he said all along Michael Porter Jr. was going to play. All right, if you missed it, 
Jamal Murray's got an SB. The Nuggets taking one. Jokic taking one. Michaela Schifrin taking one. We'll keep you posted. For Cello, for KJ, I'm Will. It's Denver Sports Tonight on Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan.